You've seen the movies. But you haven't read the comics? What? You think the comics are inaccessible? That's Steve Vincent. That's Paul Schultz. And we've got issues. That's the music. I've listened to it for a year. I know the music. This whole thing has secretly been to get you to read comic books. World's worst kept secret. <laughs> now, now that you've read some of the greatest comics ever written from the Bronze Age, <laughs> are you a comic book guy? This has been a journey. And <laughs> we've brought the listeners along on the journey. And everybody's going to have different takeaways from what we did here. We started with the hokey Green Lantern, Green Arrow. I call it hokey. I don't know if hokey is the right word, but it was... <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, one of, the, one of the things that prevented me, maybe maybe some of my, like, are you kidding me? I'm reading To Kill a Mockingbird and, and uh, of Mice and Men. I'm going to read this <laughs> weird, like, where the dialogue is weird. and um, But then it takes you, you know, it takes you through Batman and Spider-Man and X-Men, Iron Man, Wolverine. You know, we've seen it all in this this little journey. <laughs> I I went back the other day and am I a comic book guy? I, I guess I should answer your question. Am I a comic book guy? I, I probably, I kind of am now. <laughs> I, I think if, if somebody met me today, like for the first time and we started getting to know each other, they'd probably go back to their family and go, Hey, I met this guy. He's kind of a comic book guy, mm-hmm. depending on what we talked about. I mean, it wouldn't be the first thing I would bring up. It wouldn't be like, you know, it's not the thing that I wear on my sleeve. <laughs> but if they asked me about comics, I could talk very intelligently at this point about comics. And of course, I would I would always do my normal self-deprecation and be <laughs> like, well, you know, I'm, I was skeptical and I, I really only discovered comics recently, but... You know, you want to talk comics, I'll talk comics. You want to talk about the evolution of comics from the 70s through the late 80s and how the movies are basically still stuck back in the 80s. <laughs> you know, there's there's really nothing new. The movies aren't creating anything new. They're really depicting what real comic book fans already knew. <laughs> you know, they would probably get done with that and be like, well, this guy's read the comics. Right. And I would argue that if you've listened, like if you've stuck with us from episode one through 11, you know, and now 12, you could probably call yourself a comic book person. (laughs) You know, you still need to go back and buy the issues and read them. But I think we've covered it pretty well. And I think people who have now listened to this can now say they haven't just seen the movies. Uh, You know, when we started out, it was like, it's like we say in the intro every week, like, you don't think the comics are inaccessible? We've got issues, right? I think we... We, I keep saying we, I love saying we when really you did the work. (laughs) Like you dug into the lexicon of, you know, you dug into the, to the, uh, the pantheon of (laughs) comics and you really pulled out what are the crucial stories that make (laughs) comics accessible. It it really did not take long. (laughs) Yeah. Don't sell yourself short. You know, you should, in fact, you should sell yourself long. People, people don't sell themselves long enough. (laughs) That's what she said. You you went in and you figured out what the what the ten key stories were. We stretched ten stories into eleven episodes, mm-hmm. but you figured out what those ten stories are that really take you on that journey. And one of my things when we first started this, you and I really didn't exactly know what we were where we were <laughs> headed. You probably did, but no, <laughs> I was still trying to figure it out. I was trying I was trying to do an A to B. Like, how did we get from 
there to hear. <laughs> we ended up doing more than that. You know, we mm-hmm. did do that. We did the how do you get from 1970 comics code comic yeah you know comic books are almost you know propaganda to Watchmen in the late 80s where comic books are high literature and entertainment. You know, Times Best 100 novels and we really did paint that picture i think mm-hmm. so am i a comic book guy uh kind of seems that way <laughs> i like to think so my son probably started out liking gerard way and then found out gerard <laughs> way was a comic book guy and the more he sees his youtube videos and you know what is gerard way like he's finding out gerard way is a comic book guy i want to be a comic book guy i got this big stack of comic books and i'm like you could do a lot worse than like reading through some of these, yeah, right? Yeah. It's funny because when when I was putting the list together, you you mentioned this, when I was putting the list together, I didn't sit down and go, all right, here's what I want to do. I want to show how the birth of the modern comic and I want to show how it evolves into a more mature audience and, with, and ending with Watchmen. I just went through the years and pulled from probably 15-year run and the comics... <laughs> matured on their own they didn't need me to help them yeah yeah yeah. you know that was real interesting to me and i sometimes i try to put myself in the in the shoes of someone such as yourself who you didn't have the benefit of (laughs) the 17 18 years of you knew how it was going to turn out (laughs) you you were reading comics in the early 70s yes you lived through the evolution you didn't you weren't like a historian looking back on the evolution i was the evolution yeah right (laughs) <laughs> historians get the benefit of painting of shooting an arrow and then painting a target around the arrow right and going oh look bullseye <laughs> you know so who could have predicted in 1970 that we'd go from the silver age you know green lantern you know preaching about you know racial justice and don't do drugs through watchmen which is basically like we're all fucked and there's no matter what you do everything's fucked right <laughs> <laughs> all right so um Watchmen notwithstanding, which one of these did you enjoy the most and why? (laughs) It really is between Wolverine and and Craven's Last Hunt, you know? Yeah. What I loved about both of those, and if I think about which episode I I liked the most, probably Wolverine. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the transition. Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle, was so real and so raw. Mm -hmm. I know you really liked that one. It's, it's kind of like saying Clockwork Orange is your favorite movie. It's like people are like, what are you, a psychopath? <laughs> I get it's a good movie. <laughs> you know. So uh, Invincible Iron Man was really, really good, but it, it kind of makes you feel a little bit dirty afterwards. <laughs> As all good literature should. Which is fine. I mean, that, you know, I love, I love movies that make me feel dirty. <laughs> While Craven's Last Hunt was awesome and it was tailor-made like movie material. Yeah. It's kind of like that Iron Man demon in a bottle one. I really like that both of those two, whether you're talking about Invincible Iron Man or Craven's Last Hunt, it really dealt with the enemy is within. Mm-hmm. Really the ones, the really grown up adult ones from 1979 through the late 80s. Like I really dig where they went with them. A lot of people describe the Wild Bunch as a horse opera with blood. Mm-hmm. I got to describe the Wolverine miniseries as a haiku with blood. <laughs> it's probably my favorite out of them as, as well. Yeah. It was one of the first ones that I wrote down on the list when he asked me to make the list. So I learned a lot about Wolverine, actually. Like people think they know Wolverine. You don't know Wolverine until you, <laughs> you read that one. It fits the aesthetic as well of a true comic book fan. 
Because the comic book fan that would pick a Spider-Man or a Batman comic, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you somebody says they like My Chemical Romance. You go, what's your favorite album? They go, The Black Parade. It's like, really? Okay, are you really a fan? I like Led Zeppelin 4. Yeah, right. Led Zeppelin 4. Yeah. Or if you pick Watchmen, it's kind of <laughs> like, no, I get it. Everybody likes Watchmen, but... But if you like, if Wolverine is your favorite, a lot of people will be like, uh, like Hugh Jackman. Okay, there were movies, I get it, but Wolverine, really? It's like the comic book fans' comic book character, right? Yes. He's the ultimate masculine dream for boys is to be that cool. We just want to kick ass, take names, you know, have, have sex with beautiful women, drink fight ninjas <laughs> and be a poet on top of it and then leave me alone <laughs> it's like charles bronson people versus chuck norris people Ugh. chuck norris is the easy pick yep and if you're like who's the toughest guy in the world ah oh, chuck norris right but chuck norris relishes that role charles bronson's just like no leave me alone plus he's more badass i could do an entire podcast on charles bronson Send Paul an email if you would like him to do an entire podcast on Charles Bronson. <laughs> you don't even got to do that because I probably will anyway. <laughs> all right. So now that you've read all these books and you kind of get an idea for how the stories work and what you can get away with. And believe me, now you can get away with a lot more than even Watchmen got away with. Let's say you knew a comic book artist. Just, you know, somebody random, you know, that you, that you haven't known for 40 years. If you were going to do a comic book. What would you try to fill the pages with? So so at the risk of verging on plagiarism, <laughs> you know, where I would start is I would throw out all the heroes. As much as I've liked, you know, reading about the heroes and learning about the history, mm-hmm. let's face it, the latest comic we read was from 1987, the year I graduated <laughs> from high school. Right. 33 years ago. <laughs> all the movies have been doing, all the major publishing houses have been doing is rehashing those same Let's figure out a new way to, you know, put ba- get Batman in trouble and you can come up with a new way to get out of trouble. Yes. First thing I'd do is I'd throw out all the old heroes. I would come up with some new heroes. Mm-hmm. The other thing I've learned just from being a creative writer and studying creative writing and reading a lot is there really aren't that many new stories. So I, I would rely on the old tried and true stories that have been exciting and titillating and thrilling people since Homer first wrote about Troy right. or the Iliad, right? Right. Rely on the old basic story structures. Right. Hero's journey, tragedy, comedy, and don't try to get too cute or too crazy with that. Like, put a modern day hero for a modern age. And by the way, I was thinking about this too. The whole idea that why are comics dead? I saw my dad, who's 83, and he used to love comics. He said mm-hmm. he bought comics all the time, but he's like... Nobody buys comics anymore. Comics are dead. He's like, what is it? TV, video games? What what killed comics? I think the only thing that killed comics is just people not believing that comics can be a thing. Because my kids, you know, I catch them reading comics all the time. It might not be the books that we reviewed here, mm-hmm. but it is pictures with words, right? That's what comics are. It's yep. Pictures with words, whether it's manga or whether it's baby mouse. (laughs) Yeah, if your kids are reading manga, they're reading comics. Yeah, exactly. So somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to write stories that kids today care about. I don't know. Umbrella Academy became wildly popular. (laughs) Secret Life of the Fabulous Killjoys was pretty popular. Now there's a tie-in to a very popular band, right? But there is still an audience. 
but you have to write to them. You can't just take the old heroes and say, we're just going to write more stories for Batman. We're going to reinvent Spider-Man. Nothing against those characters, but come up with a new character. It's like I say all the time about movies based on books, like whether it's I Am Legend or World War Z or whatever. You can make a good movie. You don't have to say it's based on a novel that your movie has no relationship to. Right. Write a new character. Invent something new. Right. Well, we used to have a saying back in the early 2000s, and that was, if you wanted to sell your movie script, turn it into a comic first. Mm. Because at that point in time, producers were dredging the lake, looking for anything they could turn into a property. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, while that seemed like a good idea at the time, it kind of greatly caused the, the, the popularity of comics to go by the wayside because, you know, a movie, you pay $15, you sit down, you watch it, you eat your popcorn, you go home. And, and, there, and there's theaters, gigantic theaters everywhere. Well, one of the problems with comics is comic shops, they are everywhere, but they're hidden. You got to find the damn things. When Now, when we were kids, they were... The comics were on the racks if you went to a drugstore, department store, hardware store. It didn't matter. Grocery store, they had them. But you can go to the movies or you can stream it, rent it, whatever you want to do. And it's you, you can get that anywhere from your phone, your TV. But you actually have to seek out comic shops. So I made some assumptions. You said, what would I fill the comic? What would I fill the pages with now? I made an assumption that we're talking about superheroes. But it doesn't have to be superheroes. Shit, a lot of the comics are not superheroes they're just no everyday life addressing the issues that kids are dealing with you know today and those are the ones that get really popular arguably the watchman isn't even a superhero comic so right right and it's There's... probably the most successful comic of all time oh, yeah, that's a good point i often do think like what is the thing that can emerge from the chaos like if you think like what what are the fears and troubles that like, for example, what if you had a superhero who was immune to every disease? Mm-hmm. You go, oh, okay. Like, right now, I can see that coming in handy. <laughs> or what if you had a superhero who could impart that immunity onto others, but it was limited somehow? Because it can't be unlimited, because then you end up with Deadpool. But you you have some sort of constrained ability to impart immunity. Because we're dealing with a pandemic. It, and I think literature that resonates with people somehow helps them escape into a world where the problems they have today are somehow either resolved or worked out somehow, or they see somebody else going through it. Yeah. Um, Racial justice man. That's there you go. Of course, it shouldn't be racial justice man. It should be racial justice person. The social justice warrior. Social justice warrior. Yeah, (laughs) SJW. (laughs) All right. So that's my off-the-cuff answers to your very difficult questions. (laughs) Um, so I saw my brother. It, you know, it's weird. Hmm. So we went to this wedding, my niece's wedding. So my brother was asking me about, like, are you guys ever going to do any more podcasts? And I was like, well, in fact, yes. And we've been working on it for... it's um, It's been about a year. <laughs> and the goal, at least the, the vision, the, the desire, is we knew that I'm not necessarily a comic book guy. Paul, obviously very much a comic book guy grew up on comics <laughs> tried to get me to read comics was not very successful at that it took a podcast <laughs> but we decided to use the podcast as a way of bringing me through the evolution of comic stories and realizing that there's this multi-billion dollar industry where 
superheroes are in the movies and people love it, but clearly not everyone who loves the movies has read the comics and people kind of think maybe they're not accessible. Right. So is there a way that we could put together a series to guide people through and what better way to do that than to have Paul the expert guide me the skeptic through this <laughs> 18 year journey of comics and I described that to him his eyes lit up uh, I don't know if he smiled because he was wearing a mask his eyes lit up and he's like I really like the sound of that and my sincere <laughs> hope is that somebody makes a documentary and buys the rights from us for millions of dollars and you and I retire that's my sincere hope. <laughs> Ken Burns, are you listening? That's, wait, that's not a hope. That's a fantasy. My actual hope is that, you know, we reach a few people who <laughs> listen to this and go, yeah, I get it. You know, obviously a lot of our audience are, you know, our current don't panic audience. I, I hope that they listen to this and they get something out of it too, because I don't want them to sit there bored and like, who is this Steve guy and why doesn't he get it? Maybe it'll rekindle like some excitement for the comics for them because you know there are old movies that i watch that you know when somebody who hasn't seen the movie watches it you get this new excitement for that movie that you've seen yeah a dozen times and you want this new person to see it hashtag wild bunch that's what i hope people who are already into comics get from this yeah and if you haven't read the comics i hope you do i hope you go pick them up. i hope this makes you say oh yeah let me see the list and oh that's me write that down i will say this though that if you enjoyed this series and you would like to hear more i would be more than happy to pull another half a dozen stories out of the out of the long boxes for you to read to experience to tell the people that listen to this show what you thought of them and you know what send me the list whether or not we do another podcast i'd i'd like to read them so i guess i'll just wrap it up by saying this you know just like all of our other works on big broccoli studios or don't panic radio show or whatever the true joy for me has been going on this journey with you mm, same and i can't imagine us doing it any other way <laughs> whether uh, you know if podcasting didn't exist i'm pretty sure you and i wouldn't figure out a way to read 10 fabulous stories together <laughs> and talk about them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know extensively yeah the big trick here is we've done it under the guise of a podcast but this really has just been two friend, two people have known each other for 40 years like exploring a medium that one of us loved and like it's a, it's a life-defining medium for you <laughs> yeah and it it's high time that we dove into it and dug into it super deep so that i could understand it and you know I look forward to possibly exploring more. Believe me, we have plans for other podcast series in which we take something I'm passionate about. So there are other ways that we're going to be like just two lifelong friends exploring things that each other likes and bringing people along on that journey with us. Going all the way back to the beginning. Three set out together moving through cities and villages in the majesty of the wilderness, searching for a special kind of truth, searching for themselves. You've been listening to We've Got Issues. We've Got Issues is written and produced by Paul Schultz and Steve Vinson. Copyright Big Broccoli Studios. Music by Eric Fulmer. For more by Big Broccoli Studios, go to www.bigbroccolistudios.com.